Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, when not to give feedback, part two. Here we go. That's a good point. So I, the fact that the person was fired is perfectly appropriate and, you know, well done for her. But the thing I think even more important is the first thing she did is she stopped it, right? Yeah. She stopped it from happening. She she stood up, got between them and stopped the abuse. And that's the first thing you got to do in these cases. Yep. That's right. That's our next step. Stop the incident. When you see something egregious happen, folks, don't think about the rules. Okay. Don't. Now, by the way, this is one of the reasons why they have policy briefings once a year and they teach you the rules. The idea is if you know the rules in the back of your head, you won't have to think about them. You'll be unconsciously competent about the rules. Don't wonder in your head whether or not you should figure out what's going on or wait to see if the situation resolves itself or if you call somebody. You just need to take action. So if you see or hear somebody harassing someone, somebody abusing somebody, somebody assaulting somebody, somebody stealing, somebody behaving in a clearly unethical way, step in and stop them from doing so. If there's no one else around, act. If someone else is around, act and ask them to help you if you feel you need help. Okay? That's the first rule. Okay? If there's a fight going on and you feel physically capable of doing so, step between the two parties and pull them apart. If you hear verbal abuse, tell the abuser to stop. We don't care if there are 50 people in the meeting. We don't care if you're the most junior person in that meeting. If there's verbal abuse going on, you need to stop it. And by the way, it sounds like this. Stop that right now. If you're 20 feet away and you see or hear something that is clearly unacceptable, it's okay to yell across an office, hey, stop it. It's okay to tell two employees, I don't know who you are, but stop what you're doing now, period. I'm coming over there. Don't move. They may not stand still, but I'll bet you a hundred bucks. They'll stop. You don't wait for the fight to die down. You don't wait to see if you just misunderstood or it was just, they're just wrestling. <laughs> just wrestling. <laughs> well, look, I mean, right. I, I mean, managers, managers cast around for anything and they say, well, I didn't know. I mean, I don't want to do anything. Maybe they're just wrestling. I don't want to look like an idiot right? Look, there's nothing wrong with standing up the right thing and then being told, oh, you misunderstood. I got to tell you, if there are 20 people standing around and they know it's a fake fight and you don't, and you look over and you say, hey, stop, stay there. I'm coming over. And they come over and they say, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. We were just joking around. The majority of the people that are watching will be impressed that you step up. Right. And they will also be impressed if they also be impressed in the wrong way. If you look over, see it, and then you ignore it. Okay. Cause they know, even if it's a fake fight, they know they oughtn't be doing it. Right. Yeah. At least, yeah. Stop it before it spirals out of control. Right. Why yeah. still do something about it? Okay. But what about folks? You know, both of, we're both over six foot tall, right? Over 200 pounds. We feel really Are we over 200 pounds. Okay. You're bigger than me, but I've got a black belt. So, uh, you know, I'm not, too worried about it, but there are some yeah. folks who may not feel terribly comfortable at stepping in the middle of a physical altercation. So what do, what do they do? Yeah. If you look, folks, if you don't want to physically intervene because you're worried about your safety, that's fine and appropriate. Don't intervene. Just call us. No, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll be glad to do it. 
we are big enough. We and the key thing is we know we don't need to win the fight. We just need to stop the fight. We, I, you know, we probably would step between two people who thought we could separate them. But if you don't feel physically capable, again, it's fine. Call for security. Call nine one one. Even now, listen to this. Even if you can't stop it, you can tell those involved to stop. You can yell stop if you have to. Even if they don't listen, or actually, even if they hear you and ignore you. Having other around, other people around who hear you yell makes it easier for you to deliver harsh consequences to them afterwards because they not only fought, they ignored management warnings and directives to stop. Yeah, and look, yeah, you might feel helpless, but look, don't endanger yourself. Let's not do that. Yeah. And if it's not physical, then yelling, you know, stop it right now is, yeah. is, is more in a meeting. To stop it. In a meeting, it just interrupts somebody and say, stop it. Enough. We don't treat people that way here. Now, everybody's going to look at you when you do that, particularly if you're a manager and you're talking to two other managers. Now, look, if it's two senior VPs and you don't know them that well um, and it's the first time, you have to make a judgment call. If one guy says, Bob, you're such an idiot. And the other guy says, yeah, Todd, but if you weren't such a dummy, right, you have to make a judgment call about the vehemence, the vitriol. Um, the viciousness of the comments. But if you believe it's inappropriate, then step up. And let me tell you something else. We, we often say that executive meetings are rough and tumble, but they're not that rough and tumble, okay? People don't insult people personally and get away with it. And everybody feels those tense moments. Yeah, this, this is one of those few times when, uh, let's forget the VP example for a second, when folks are engaging in this kind of behavior, we often tell people don't rely on role power too much, but this is one of those times. This is why your organization gave you role power. And yeah. if you don't use it in one of the few cases where you absolutely should, well, yeah, so exactly. Yeah. yeah. We recommend use it and make sure they know you're using it. Right. You don't have to say, I, I hereby order you to stop in the name of management of company XYZ. I that. hereby use my role power. Please yeah. Stop. My role. I hereby touch you with my wand of role power and you will now be frozen in time. Until I release you. Look, whatever you do, we want to be clear. The first step you take is to stop the harassment, stop the theft, stop the altercation, whatever the case might be. Stop the incident. Before you do anything else, stop or attempt to stop what's going on, whatever it is you've observed. Some managers think themselves, okay, how can I be sure they're punished? How can I be sure I do this right? You know, we watch cop shows on TV and we think, oh, there's all kinds of rules. We've got to Mirandize them and all that kind of stuff. No, no, you don't. Don't worry about doing it correctly. Do it now. Heaven forbid you wait 30 seconds. And in that 30 seconds, one of the participants gets the upper hand and hurts the other one while you watch. Yeah, that'd be bad. Now, look, um, if you ask, though, how, how can I be, how can, you know, how can I be sure of this? And am I going to do this right? What's the policy? What's the procedure? And so on. All of those thoughts are wrongheaded. Your first role is to, or your role is to protect the company and its employees, not to do things the right way or correct, just to ensure that the punishment is delivered and there's no taint on the punishment because you did the, you, you intervened in the wrong way. It's better to stop an incident and do it poorly then wait to find out the right words to say, the correct words to say, the policy-driven words to say, only to have that situation deteriorate, right? It is better to stop an incident. Listen carefully. It's better to stop an incident clumsily and maybe be even chastised for how clumsily you did it rather than wait and allow the assault or the abuse or the theft or the harassment to continue. Our guidance is act immediately. 
Yeah. You know, obviously physical abuse stuff is fairly rare, right? I mean, right, yeah. infrequently happens in the workplace. But what about verbal abuse? Same thing? No? Yes? Yeah, interrupt. Look, what? okay, so so I, I alluded to it, right? What do you do if you're in a meeting and one of the attendees verbally assaults one of the other associates in the meeting? He says something like, you're an idiot. Nobody likes you. Everybody laughs at you all the time. Go home. You're an idiot. We hate you, right? By the way, that's virtually a direct quote from the meeting I was in. And I remember looking around, I, I, you know, <laughs> I'll never be a great, great, great consultant because I'm the one that stood up. And I looked at everybody else and I said, is no one else here going to do anything? And I finally looked at them and says, I don't even work here, but that what you're doing is wrong. Stop. And there was kind of a funny exchange. And I said, well, okay. I looked at the guy who was running the meeting. I said, okay, you're meeting. I left because I didn't have any standing to, to correct people in the company. So look, regardless of whether the person being attacked is your direct or a peer, maybe even a boss, right? The right action is to interrupt the attacker and tell them to stop. You could say, Bob, enough, stop, sit down, be quiet. Janice doesn't have to listen to your attacker and neither do we. And depending upon your role in the meeting, you could say, folks, sorry, this meeting is over. Would everyone else excuse Bob and I, please? And look, again, the first thing you're obligated to do is to stop the incident. If you only learn one thing from this cast, stop the incident. You know, a lot of managers, when, when this stuff happens, they immediately go down this path of doing a huge investigation. We don't agree with that, do we? No, you know, it's funny. It really, it didn't used to be this way. 20 years ago, there weren't investigations. Managers were, I don't want to guess at why it is. Well, I could guess, but I'm not going to guess on air why it is. It just doesn't matter. I just know it's much more likely to happen now. I think managers feel much more observed than they used to, which is funny because there are much less people able with time to observe them, right? Everything's leaned out so much. But this is the most common mistake that managers make when something egregious happens. Based on credible information, they think the right thing to do is to make a case against the potentially guilty party. Somehow, because the consequences of this situation are going to be severe in some way, many of us think we have to become detectives and judges and follow some procedural, legal procedural guidance, right? We have to interview people. We have to get signed documents. I mean, I've seen signed documents created. And by the way, it's almost always a lawyer in the background, and that's not what these things are about. There may be legal implications, but those things can be done later. We think things like, who started the fight? Maybe I should find out who spoke first, or maybe somebody was just having a bad day. Well, you know what? If you start thinking Bob had a bad day, and then you say, and Greg had a bad day, and so Bob bumped into Greg, and so it escalated, what difference does it make? Do you have a policy that people should be safe at the workplace? Or does the policy say safe at the workplace unless somebody else has a bad day, and you had a bad day, and you bump into each other? right? It doesn't matter. We're not punishing the, the mindset. We're not punishing the mentality. We're not punishing the bad day the day before. We're punishing the behavior. And the behavior is is irrespective of the intent or or the rationale or or the emotion. You know, I just talked to somebody the other day. He says, I'm really sorry I did what I did. I was very angry. Okay, nice excuse, but don't care. What we're talking about here is the behavior. 
Yeah. Well, but, but if you don't investigate, then it's certainly possible that you're not going to know everything, right? I mean, you yeah, but look, but okay. Yeah, you're totally right. And if you're going to investigate, you're not going to learn into everything either, right? Because people who are being interviewed are going to have plenty, plenty of reasons not to be truthful with you. So the idea that I don't know enough, in my experience, leads to managers learning a lot more, taking a week, having this black cloud over a team or a small group of people, still not knowing enough, and then probably soft peddling it. Or worse, having some senior person come down and take it out of their hands. Well, yeah. Yeah. Now, look, you may be asked by HR or somebody more senior to find out what set that person off or to get to the bottom of the issue. But when they say that, that's not a requirement to go around and conduct a formal investigation. Okay. You don't have to find out exactly who said what or who spoke first or what exact words were said necessarily in order to take action against, particularly against an employee of yours. What an effective manager does is address whatever behavior he or she observed immediately. You don't delay with an investigation to understand the rationale. Don't worry that you're not covering everything. Address what you can, and you can address the behavior of the incident itself. Look, if you learn more, learn from stuff from more information, by all means, decide how to address it. But if somebody's abusive and harassing someone, we oughtn't avoid taking direct and even severe actions against them in order to, quote, get to the bottom of it. Right. That's all. I think I haven't really said it quite right, and I apologize. Well, the point I'm getting at is don't let the investigation take the place of, of walking them to the cliffside. Don't let investigation be the second thing you do. Right? The investigation might happen afterwards, but if you've seen egregious behavior, you can punish the egregious behavior. Right. Now, not all cases. We, we've talked about terminating somebody or walking somebody to the door, but the cliffside is not necessarily terminating somebody. There, there, are, there are actions you may take that are short of that. So with that in mind, one of our cautions is don't give ultimatums. And experienced managers know this to be true. They learn the hard way that ultimatums almost always backfire. Yeah. Yeah. Most of us say to ourselves, gee, ultimatum, that's something I would never do. But sure. And then you remember (laughs) that an ultimatum is nothing more than an if then statement and it's behavior first and consequences. Like if you ever speak that way again, I'll fire you. And then they speak that way again and you don't fire them. Yeah. Because you do it. You do it. And look, here's the problem, right? We deliver the ultimatum in haste. And then we can't follow up because we don't see the future behavior or we don't have the ability to enforce the threat we made. And look, folks, it really sounds hollow to deliver an ultimatum after a notable incident. It sounds like a threat. But if there are no significant consequences from the first action, it's a threat about the future repetition of it. And it sounds like an empty threat because they just did it. And you're telling them, if you do it again, it's so bad. I'm really going to put you in pain. Yeah. The first time's okay, but you get a second. Yeah. Right? If yeah. it's that bad, why would you wait to the second time? Yeah. So look, effective managers don't give ultimatums for future punishments based on future possible actions. We give immediate consequences for the existing actions. And we let the consequence of the immediate action that we meted out to them serve as the inhibitor of their future incidents. We don't dangle a threat to inhibit them. We punish them now to inhibit them. Yep. So let's talk about that because that is really the crux of this cast. And folks, we're sorry it took so long, but you have to understand everything we said yeah. prior to this. So let's let's describe the cliffside. 
Yeah. Tell so us what look, that is. the cliff side is basically you state their action. It, it, it's it's much like feedback steps two and three in terms of you did this, and so here are the outcomes. Right? We've stopped the incident. We're not going to investigate. We're not going to give an ultimatum. Now we get to the delivery of consequences. And by the way, I use the word consequences because a number of years ago, I was reading an article about a, a very successful inner city Baltimore program, Baltimore, Maryland, and here in the States. And it was a social program that they were working with, with troubled youths in Baltimore. And these kids came to what amounted to a club every day and they had to do some work and, and they contributed and that gave them money for school and, and helped them with rent and so on, kept them off the streets and dealing drugs and so on. The article that I read was telling the story about the group of counselors that each had about 10, 10 of these youths that they were responsible for. And they're literally the, the course of the meeting, because that's what these guys do is took care of these guys out in the field. In the course of the meeting, this weekly staff meeting, the boss of these counselors said, okay, counselor one, let's go down your guys. And he listed one by one and how they did that week, you know, whether they'd done well, what they were struggling with, all that kind of stuff. It was a really very effective meeting. And they used a funny phrasing that I'll never forget. One of the young people that w this person was counseling, one of the people reporting, said in the meeting, well, he hasn't shown up three times, and he didn't do his chores yesterday, and he hasn't put money in the kitty. I don't know what that meant exactly. And the boss looked up and said, well, it's time to consequence him. And I just love that. I mean, you know, and really what they were saying, the way he was saying it, was a way of teaching the kids that actions have consequences. And if you do bad actions, you're going to get consequenced, right? There are consequences. They were they were teaching cause and effect. So that's part of the reason why we choose consequences here. Now, another little side note here. Years ago, I used to call this step cliffside feedback. We don't anymore because it confused managers. When we called it cliffside feedback, they wanted to follow the feedback model. All we were trying to do by calling it feedback was trying to associate it with the action-reaction-cause-and-effect pairing of steps two and three of the manager tools feedback model. But it came across that they had to say it the same way, think about the future, be encouraging, right? Be cool, be relaxed. And so our naming it cliffside feedback just really didn't help people get the right behavior. And so we stopped doing it. But for those of you who give feedback, you'll notice that this sounds similar in that it mimics that pairing of, of action and reaction cause and effect in steps two and three of the feedback model. Okay, three simple parts. Now, just to be clear, this isn't feedback, so we don't ask if we can give it. We simply describe what they did, their action, their behavior, and then we tell them what's going to happen because of it, both short and long-term, okay? So behavior, near-term and long-term consequences, or action, near-term reaction, long-term reaction. It sounds something like this. Ron, you yelled at Mary today in that meeting and you were abusive. When we're done talking in a moment, you're going to go home for the day without pay. Further, I'm going to document this and place it in your personnel, your permanent personnel file, and you're not going to be eligible for a bonus this year. You'll also have to talk to employee assistance about counseling. We don't tolerate abuse here, period. Get your stuff. Go home. Okay? Or you could say, Sharon, you repeatedly demeaned Eduardo. You were loud. You were abusive. Frankly, you were vulgar. And I won't tolerate it, period. You're being taken off the special project you were on. You're not going to be eligible for performance awards or promotion this year. Please go home for the rest of the day. 
So there it is. Action statement, near-term consequence, longer-term consequence. Okay. And look, be smart. Don't be afraid to be firm. You can always come back and lessen the damage, but it's much harder to come back a couple of days later and say, I'm adding more punishment to the, to the error that you uh, made. Right? Yeah, definitely. Pretty simple. So you did this. I'm punishing you this way and in this way. Now, would you allow them after one of these kind of egregious incidents to remain at work or would you remove them from the workplace? No, I'd send them home, right? Send them home for the day. Okay. Now, Now, in some places you can't do this. Okay. But as a general rule, folks, if there's no place where it says you can't do it, then you can. About the only place where I would be hesitant to do it if somebody just dropped me in, parachuted me in as a manager for a day, which is really fun. That was a number of years ago, I was consulting to a call center and they did that. I got to be a manager for a day and my team won that day. It was great fun. <laughs> um, but if I were, if I were parachuted in as a manager, the one place I probably wouldn't do it is in a union environment. The work rules are, are generally, they generally need to be studied. You want to be respectful of the management union relationship and work rules. And so sometimes there are rules that the union has to send them home for the day. Right. You have to go to the shop steward and say, I want that guy. Yeah. But with that exception, generally you can send folks home. Now, if you send them home and they get paid for the day, it's kind of like rewarding them, right? Uh, No, (laughs) I got to tell you, if you're in a fight at work and your boss sends you home and you want to crow to people, I got paid for yesterday. Nah, they're not going to, you know. You're probably not going to the beach that day. Probably. That's yeah. I remember happened. when my older brother got caught drinking a beer underneath the stands at a high school football game, which, which still thinking about it today, I can't even imagine he did that because we have very strict parents. And he, um, he got caught and he got suspended for a week from school. And all his friends were like, oh, dude, you get a week off of school. And my mom made him get out on the front lawn with a spoon and weed the front lawn with a spoon every day from 7.30 until 4 when we got oh home from school. God. I like yeah. your mom. So, yeah, <laughs> my mom's pretty great. In some cases, you can doctor pay. And if you can yeah, doctor you can. pay and you're comfortable doing it, that's an appropriate thing. To yeah, do. if you're uncomfortable, don't do it. And look, here's an easy thing. You can affect their pay far more greatly than the one day by simply giving them no raise at the end of the year because you give them a one on a scale of one to five in collaboration or team play or professional behavior, whichever of those phrases your firm uses as a performance review evaluation category. And generally speaking, if you get a particularly low score in one particular area, then that eliminates the chance for you to be included in a bonus pool or a, a you know uh, an incentive pool and so on. And I wouldn't hesitate to do it. Absolutely would not hesitate to do it. Yeah, it, without a doubt. And that will more than compensate for that day uh, vacation they got. Yeah, that's exactly. Sure. Yeah. You know, a lot of uh, HR folks will say, hey, look, okay, after the incident, everybody's aware what happened. We need to get everybody together. Everybody. Maybe I had this in my head when I said all HR is bad, (laughs) right? No, resist. Resistance is not futile, folks. Resist that. Don't do it. If HR comes down and says, one thing that we recommend, I love those phrases. One thing we recommend is you get all your people together and you talk about the incident so you can clear the air. And you say to them, hey, thanks. That is a really great idea. I appreciate you sharing it. And the HR person goes, you're welcome. Happy to do it. You know, we care about you. We're here for you. Let us know if we can help. And then they go back to their cubicle somewhere else in the building. 
and you proceed not to have the meeting. Right. Okay. Because they didn't say you had to, and they didn't tell you to write them a note and saying you did it. So you don't have to lie about not doing it. Right. And here's why, folks. Look, if you just had an altercation and then you stand up in front of people and you read the policy, how much better example is that of closing the barn door after the horse is already gone? There's nothing those that's the perfect example. Secondly, oh, this is good. It happened yesterday. I guess you forgot to do that last week, huh, boss? Yeah. Or gee, the guy you sent home is not here today. Why are you reading us this? Yeah. It's like the one person being late and then you get the team together and tell people they gotta be on meetings on time. Good. Yeah, Great. the Thanks. good performers are astonished that they have to sit through a remedial, remedial course. And of course, the guy who's late, he always wonders who the heck you're talking about, yeah, right? Not talking to me, look, obviously. Yeah. yeah, look, it's easy, folks. When people come down and tell you that. Now, look, if your boss says you will have a meeting, you will do X, you will do Y, you'll report to me, you do it. Fine, do it. Don't tell your boss he or she's an idiot. Just do it, okay? But here's the problem. All that stuff is an organizational response. But you don't need an organization response. You need a managerial response. And the managerial response is to let your direct handling of this offender and what he or she did and the clear sanctions that they're getting, whether they're public to everybody or not, don't share your sanctions with other people. Let that be everybody else's reminder. Okay? They'll know you took action. They'll know you sent them home. They'll know that you're, you're not pleased about it. They're going to hear in bits and pieces what happened. No question. It's going to get around. So don't worry. You don't need to brief everybody. You don't need to have a kumbaya moment at all. Yeah. Now, that was a long one. An important yeah. one. A long yeah. One. You know, I think it's. I think it was long because, again, I, I extending feedback where we would say, look, you had an action. And so now you've got to tell them the outcome of the action. Extending feedback makes sense because we're talking about direct behaviors and manager tools is, is a behavior shop, if you will, right? The problem with that is the purpose of feedback cannot be satisfied in a situation like this. And so therefore you don't use the same process. Feedback is a managerial process. It's what effective managers do to communicate. It's the process effective managers use to communicate about performance. But this is not a communication about performance. It's a communication about punishment and consequences for behavior, for instances that are beyond the pale, that are outside the norm. And so we had to take a while to help people understand why it is and to make some of the people who really want to dot their I's and cross their T's and be ready for the situation to feel like they can listen, absorb, and then be ready when they need to be. Well, this is one of those things you have to be prepared for in advance. You can't witness a fight and go into a corner and read a book or listen to a podcast. Yeah. You got to understand this stuff now. So when it does happen, you're prepared to act. Yeah. So again, feedback works almost every single time, but not in this one. And th those 1% situations, the physical and the verbal abuse, the harassment and the theft and so on. You don't investigate. You don't give ultimatums. What you do is you say to them, you did this. Here's your punishment short term. Here's your punishment long term. Okay. Get them away from work. If you can get them out of the workplace, send them home with pay, without pay, whatever you can do. And then please don't brief everybody. Okay. Let your handling of the matter be the briefing. Let that speak for you. Part of the reason that employees think they can get away with behavior that's truly egregious is because they've done it before, or they've seen it done before, and consequences haven't justified their change. Harassment and abuse and unethical behavior are unacceptable everywhere that we know of anywhere. And unacceptable means the managers must step in and stop the behavior, not accept it. 
and ensure through the application of consequences that it won't happen again. Don't be the manager who essentially aids and abets that toxic employee and shuns having a confrontation. The confrontation's already happened. They're stealing. They're lying. They're cheating. Okay? Stop them, either because you want to take care of your team or because you know it hurts results or you know because it makes recruiting harder or because it's just plain wrong or, for that matter, all the above. Stand up, even if you're clumsy about it. Getting the tactics right is less important than setting an example. It's like Martin Luther King. It's like Martin Luther said, "Here stehe ich. Ich kann nichts anders." Right? Here I stand. I can't do anything else. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be the manager. I'm going to be the representative of the company. And someone has to say, in moments like this, this is how our policy comes to life. Yep. Simple as that. Yep. If it were only simple, though. But now, yeah. now folks, know. <laughs> good one. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you all again next week. Have a great one. So long.